Now ask them who's buying lunch. Well, how many A&M fans out there believe in miracles? Let me see your hand. My, my, my. Beat number one ranked Alabama. That makes you believe in miracles. How many, uh, how many Arkansas Hog fans out there wish you'd have prayed a little harder? One point. You could have prayed them over the line. Well, that's fun, but we're going to talk about something that really matters. Hey, I, I've got a great testimony. Uh, this land out behind the church, uh, we put an offer on it, and they accepted it. So we praise the Lord for that. It is the only land in the whole world that adjoins this church that we could build on one day or use for more parking, whatever the case is. But uh, that, uh, uh, let me just say they didn't give it to us, but we're glad to get it. How about that? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hey, turn your Bible to Psalm 95. If you're at home watching, we're really glad you're tuning in. Psalm 95, verse 1, there is a calling. It's as if the psalmist was saying, join me, follow me. Uh, enter into this. He says, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Uh, let us come to him with thanksgiving. That's what we did in that little prayer time we had just a, a moment ago. Let us sing psalms of praise to him. And then he tells us why. He says, this praise is because the Lord is a great God, a great king above all the, uh, the gods. And then he illustrates it. He said, God holds in his hands the depths of the earth. This is the deepest seas and the highest, mightiest mountains. The sea belongs to our God and he made it. His hand forms the dry land too. And then he makes another appeal to us. It's a little different. He says, come and let us worship. Let us bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. And then he tells us why. For he is our God. Remember a minute ago, he is the Lord, a great God. And now he is our God. And the worship becomes more intimate. Uh, he's worshiping, he's bowing, he's kneeling. He's our God. And we're his people. He watches over. We're the flock of his care. And the response in knowing that God loves me, that he cares for me, that I am his, is a response of worship. Now, I want to ask you a question. What does this phrase, come let us worship, mean? In the church I was raised in as a boy, a little country Methodist church, uh, it was five pews on each side. Uh, so small, the preacher came every other Sunday. And when we, had, uh, when we sang, we had a song service. We would sing. And Miss Green was an elderly lady. She was the only instrument in church. She played the piano. And we'd look in that little brown Methodist hymnal, and uh, uh, we liked it better than the red one. And we even pasted in the back page, How Great Thou Art. And that was the one that we liked. And we would just say, would you sing 221, He Lives? And she'd sing it, and that was our worship. Uh, here today on stage, uh, we had instruments. We clapped our hands. We had joyful singing before the Lord. Uh, we had a lot of technology that's here. Uh, if you went to a Catholic church, uh, you had a liturgy. It was pre-planned. The responses of the people were planned. All of these are endeavors of human beings to worship God to say that you're worthy and to say that we love you. Uh, but the question is that I want to explore with you, what does the Bible say about worship? What does the Bible say worship is? Uh, what does, how do we express it? Why does it matter if I worship? 
I've had people tell me before, just say, you know, I, I'm not much on the singing part, but I, I love to come and I listen to the preaching. And they come in after worship is over, and I think, well, you just missed the best part, and you don't understand what worship is because it's, it, it's this wonderful expression from our hearts of adoration to God. Um, I'm going to begin a new series today called Let the Worshipers Arise. And I'm going to do my best, probably four or five weeks, help you understand what worship is. Uh, it's going to be a, 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 a series, an answer to questions. Like today, we'll answer the question, what is worship? We'll talk about why I should worship. Uh, we'll talk about ways to worship. Uh, we might, we'll talk about who to worship. How many know you can worship an idol? Yeah. How many know an, an idol doesn't have to be a little Buddha statue? But we'll talk about uh, different questions like this. But today I want to talk about what is worship. And what I want to tell you today is worship is more than singing songs. That includes singing songs, but worship is our devotion to God. And it includes the way that we live our life. And number two, it's the expression of our words of song and praise to God, kind of like a teeter-totter. It's both. It's coming to church. It's singing. It's singing in private. It's worshiping. It's clapping. Those are expressions. But the way I live my life is one of the most profound ways in which I worship God, show my reverence and respect for Him. So let's look at it today. I've got, I don't want to call them five definitions of worship, but I want to call them uh, five uh, perspectives. For example, if you were blind, God forbid, but you had an accident, you could no longer see, and uh, uh, someone said they, they, they took you to an elephant, and you took that elephant's trunk, and you felt that long trunk, and you felt like well, it's, just, it's just this great long snake or something, and it's got a cold because I've got something on my hand on the end. And then if you moved around the side and felt its leg, you would say, well, this is a great tree stump. And then if you went to the back of the elephant, that little curly tail that he's got, you wouldn't have a clue what that was. But as you move around and see a different perspective, it, it adds to a, a clearer and fuller understanding of who it is. And that's what I want to do today. I want to paint a picture of what worship is and why all of us can and should be worshipers of God. Let's begin with the, the most basic understanding of worship. Because typically when we say, what, what is worship? We talk, we say, well, it's when we go to church and when we sing. It's when we clap our hands. It's when we lift our hands. And absolutely, this is a part of it. Worship is how we express our love for God. You didn't come today because you were bored. You didn't come today because necessarily because you wanted to listen to me. You came today because you wanted to worship God. So, but, but there's ways that we express it in both public and private. Psalm 95 was our text. It said, let us sing to the Lord. Uh, nobody has a problem with singing. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Now, that, that might bother some. Uh, let us come to him with thanksgiving. I mean, you know, sometimes when something good has happened in your life, or you just pause to recognize the goodness of God, you say thanks. That's, that's worship. He went on to say, come, let us worship, and let us bow down and kneel. So it, it evolves the range of human emotions. I guarantee you yesterday when A&M was playing and, the, and, and, and they realized that they were going to win that game, they were, come on, they were, woo! What did they say? What did Aggie say? <laughs> what 
do the hog fans say? I don't know that that qualifies as worshiping pigs, but <laughs> I, I like pigs on a barbecue plate. I mean, I, no, my, my only point is, is why is it when we go to a football game and we have all this joy and happiness, we express it. And why don't we, you know, why, why is it that we can get excited uh, for a team that might lose <laughs> and, <laughs> And for a team, you don't know any of them out on the field, and you, you barely know a couple of them. Why is it we can get so excited when we go to a ball game and we feel like church is supposed to just be quiet? Now, now listen, noise for noise sake is not always worship, okay? Just like kneeling. We read about kneeling, but how many know you can be kneeling and exercising your legs, okay? I mean, it, it's the object of our heart. You're getting a little carried away on this sports. Let me move on. Worship. But worship is the human response to God when God reveals himself to us. Again, I'll draw a sports parallel, but when those boys run out of that tunnel, the fans erupt and they stand up. I don't know what they'll do for the Cowboys today, but they need everything they can get. But when that team comes out, it's like the fans shift and they stop what they were doing and their attention is on the field and they get up and there's just, there's just this sense of rush that comes. Well, this is what worship is. W worship is our response to God. When God reveals himself to us, when we become aware of what God has done, we simply want to express it. Now, if you're looking for a definition, worship has a primary definition, but then it's got some little fingers that go out from it. But the primary definition of worship means to bow down. And this bowing uh, certainly is kneeling, uh, but it's more than just an outward expression. It's our hearts bowing to God. Kneeling tells God, I depend on you. I can't live without you. Uh, singing, when we sing and shout, it expresses our joy. Uh, I, as a boy, I didn't know Psalm 47.1 was in the Bible. Clap your hands, all you people. Shout to God with a voice of triumph. I remember the first time I went to a church. Now, I was, again, raised Methodist, learned the Bible, but our worship was Miss Green playing the piano, and it was all very quiet and somber. The only time noise would be made, it would be in the summertime when a red wasp would fly through that little country building. <laughs> we shout, Jesus, keep him away. But... But uh, I remember I went to a, uh, an Assembly of God church in Adak, Alaska, and uh, I walked down this hallway. I'll never forget it. Uh, and and they, they made them worship in the chapel annex, and all these people have their hands lifted to God. And I thought, is there a holdup? I probably didn't think that, but that was the best joke I had today. But I didn't understand it. Now, I was young. I was in my early 20s. The clapping I thought was cool. But I didn't understand the clapping could be the joyous expression of worship. And certainly this idea of shouting to the Lord. Have you ever heard people shout hallelujah? Do you know hallelujah is the same in any language? <laughs> it's translated the same in any language. It's an international word. And you know what it means? It means praise the Lord. Could we just shout that to the Lord? Hallelujah. Come on, do it again. Hallelujah. How about you people at home? Are you shouting with us? See, this is, and these are expressions of praise. 
I'm going to do one of whole, maybe one, one and a half or two sermons on these different ways to worship. But I want to broaden that definition. Now, everybody would agree that singing is worship in church. And, you know, some might disagree with the clapping and raising hands. But everybody sings. But let me tell you this. Worship is more than singing. It's probably the most important part of the message. Worship is the way we live our life. Uh, let me, let me, a definition of worship, as I said, one of those little ancillary definitions means worship is to serve. Naturally, who are we serving? We're serving God. Uh, have you ever thought of, of, the, uh, of the phrase describing church, a worship service? Why those two words, worship and serve or service? It's, we're offering our worship as service to God. But the way we live, let me develop this. Uh, Luke chapter 2, there was a woman, her name was Anna. She lived as a widow to age 84, never left the temple, but stayed there day and night. And what was she doing? Worshiping God with what? Fasting and prayer. Doesn't say anything about clapping or lifting of hands or singing. She probably did those. But she worshiped with fasting and prayer. In other words, what she did with her life. She was old enough to realize there's more life behind me than ahead. I want to devote my life to God. And this service of fasting and prayer was called worship. Now, let me give you another scripture that really expounds on this. Romans 12, 1, I urge you in view of God's mercy. In other words, because of God's mercy, his kindness to you, here's what you should do. You should, say it with me, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, that does not mean lay on an altar and let somebody stick you with a knife. Offer it as a living sacrifice. Uh, let's see, keep going. Holy this is how we're to live, a holy life, pleasing to God, for this is your true and proper worship. Let's look at it again, this offering your bodies. Uh, the bodies, it represents the totality of our life and our activities. It's what we do with our life. So what Paul is saying, the way you live your life is an act or can be an act of worship to God. What I mean by that, uh, let's say a dentist, uh, this gal's in dentistry, and she takes her vacation, goes to Mexico, and pulls teeth for some of the poor villagers because they have no dentist work and they're in so much horrible pain, and she goes to serve them, and she's doing it because the Lord leads her to go, and it's an act of worship to God. Uh, how about, uh, how about uh, uh, a couple? They realize that God saved their marriage. Their marriage was in the pits. It was going downhill. Uh, actually, it was a couple who was here last service. And uh, ever since they God saved their marriage, they've been doing a marriage group. Uh, they do it every semester. It's a life group. And what do they do? They help other people's marriages. But you know what they're doing is they're worshiping God in this service. Uh, my wife... Uh, she, she ha she's always served the Lord, always lived for Jesus, probably the godliest person I know. But after she got cancer, and then as she was getting even her treatments, but after her cancer was over, her service for God kind of did that. And it was like, in the evenings, I say, honey, call them back tomorrow. She says, no, they need help now. Uh, it's hard for me to make her take a day off, a Sabbath. Please don't call my wife on Monday, okay? That's our Sabbath day. And if you're hurting, because she wants to help. What is that? 
God has been kind to her and extended her life so that she was not a statistic. Let her be able to see her children, her grandchildren, and she just wants to thank the Lord by the way that she lives. See, this is, this is Christianity, buying groceries for someone who lost their job. You, you, do it, uh, you do it not because you have to or so to take your picture and put it on Facebook. No, you do it because you're conscious of the Lord and you know it's pleasing to the Lord. But did you know that even your job, what you do 40, 50 hours a week can be done as worship to God? Colossians 3.23 in all the work you're doing, work the best you can. Listen now, work as if you were doing it. Work as if you were working for Jesus, not Cooper Tire, not Wadley, not the restaurant, but you work as if you're serving God. And what is, when you have that attitude, for example, uh, when I was in the Navy, we had a different style of work. It was called government work. It would take four people to do a basic job. The job could be to sweep the floor. It could be to fix a piece of equipment. And it would take one person with a, a screwdriver or broom, one person watching for the chief to come around the door, and two people to read a book or play. That was a job detail. Well, that was, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a Christian that gets up, that's there on time, maybe a little early, that works as if they own the business, that stays as long as they need to in the evening, that does it right, that doesn't steal from the business, but that, that's one of the best employee, the employee of the month, not because they want the raise, but because we are Christians. Come on now. And whatever we do, we do it as unto the Lord. And I'm telling you, part of worship is serving. Serving the Lord by the way we live. Worship is more than singing. It's how we live our life for the glory of God. Do you know when you, when you walk away from sin, you can even see that as worship, as pleasing God, living by his commandments. Remember what Joseph, remember when Potiphar's wife hit on Joseph? Yeah, she was cutie. And she wanted him, you know, she wanted him bad. And he said, I'm not going to do this. He said, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? You see, there's a God consciousness that causes us to behave in holy ways. This is worship. This is how we present our bodies to God as a living sacrifice. Come on, somebody give the Lord a, a good hand. Now, the next one comes from a picture in heaven. Worship is how we declare or how we affirm our recognition of God's worth. What I did just a minute ago uh, when I honored Linnell, I, I declared her worth in hopes that she would buy me lunch. No. No, that was, that was honor. How many you know we're supposed to honor where honor is deserved? Sure we are. And, and, and I wanted you to see the living model before you. But this word, well, let me read the scripture. Roman, uh, Revelation chapter 4, verse 10. The 24 elders, now this question who that is, so let's just say believers, okay? There's a group of believers and they're in heaven. They fall down before God who's seated on the throne and to do what? So they're falling down prostrate on their face before God. 
they cast their crowns before this throne where God is, is sitting. Likely the crown was a reward for the way they've lived on earth. They cast it to the crown. And what do they say in verse 11? Worthy. Worthy. Worthy, which means you're deserving. Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things. Now, this worship is offered to God not because of what he's done for us, but because of who he is. Amen. i got to be honest. Most of my praise to God and most of my worship is what he's done for me. You heard it out of my own lips today. Lord, I'm grateful for food on my table. I'm, I'm grateful for health. I'm, I'm grateful for my family. We're grateful for our children. We're, we're, we're grateful for this building. We're grateful for the land that you provided for us. But all these things, guess who's the center of it? In a real sense, we are. We're grateful for what God has done through us. But this kind of worship forgets about us. This kind of worship simply says, you are, are, you are worthy. You are the Alpha, the Omega. You are the beginning and the end. You are the first and the last. You created all things. You sustain all things by your mighty hand. You are the one. The, you, you are the one. You are the everlasting Father. You are the Prince of Peace. You are the mighty God. It's simply a declaration of who God is, irrespective of what's happening in my world. Now, this is powerful. This is, this is powerful. This is what angels in heaven are doing right now around the throne of God, singing, worthy, worthy, worthy are you. See, right now we talk it up by faith, but one day we're going to see God as he really is, and it's going to be mind-blowing. <laughs> I don't know what we're going to do, whether we're going to shock, whether we're going to pass out, whether we're going to get on our face, whether we're going to raise our hands. We'll probably do some of all of it, but this is what worship is. It's our response to a living God, not because of what he does, but because of who he is. Come on, somebody give him a big, a big hand today. Let's keep going. Now, this next one is a little bit of a warning. Uh, 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 worship is more than religious rituals and duty. It's a heart attitude of awe and reverence for God. Uh, how many know you can go to church, give money, volunteer, and even kneel, but not be worshiping? You say, come on, preacher. If your spouse makes you go to church, you didn't go to worship God. You just went because you didn't want to sleep on the couch. If you gave money for the tax deduction, and, 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 and have me know tax deductions are good things, but that's not why we give money. Uh, how about volunteering? You can volunteer in kids' zone. They're looking for, you know, guys that qualify, go through the process, you know, background checks and all that. But, but don't go in there because there's a cute girl working in the nursery. That's not worship. How I many know you can even kneel before? You can even have your hands lift, lifted to God, and people can think, man, that guy's really worshiping. No, he's not. He's thinking about Taco Tico, Taco Bell, Cracker Barrel. You've never done it. I know this crowd hadn't done it. That first service crowd, I'm a little concerned about them, though, because when I say Cracker Barrel, they think brunch, and it could be a possibility. What am I saying? I'm saying it's about the heart. And sometimes we can just do religious rituals with external observances. And they don't really mean worship. Isaiah recognized this. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 11. Now he's speaking to the Jewish people. And mind you, the Old Testament worship was centered around the temple. 
Now, when the Jews were dispersed around the Roman Empire, they had what was called synagogues. And in the synagogue, they would read the Torah, you know. But, it, but the temple was the place for sacrifices, animal sacrifices for sin. They'd celebrate feasts. They'd do pilgrimage, uh, the Sabbath day. And then they had books of the Bible that were just laws and regulations, Leviticus and portions of Deuteronomy. And, 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 and you know, this was, was how you lived. But listen to what God said to them in Isaiah chapter 1. What makes you think I want all your sacrifices? The Lord says, I'm sick of your burnt offerings of rams. When you come to worship me, who asked you to parade through my courts with all your ceremony? Stop bringing me your meaningless gifts. Now, you got to scratch your head here because why would God tell them to do all those things and then when they were doing them, he wasn't happy with them? It's because it was all outward form. It was all a religious routine. And they had missed the most important thing. Let's keep reading verse 15. Remember when we said worship is not just what we do, clapping, but it's the way we live? Look at verse 15. Uh, Isaiah's continued. When you put on your next prayer performance, remember even Jesus said, don't pray before men to be seen by them, otherwise you have your reward. When you put on your next prayer performance, I won't, I'll, I'll be looking the other way. God says, no matter how long or how loud or how often you pray, I won't be listening. Now, doesn't that make you scratch your head and say, well, the Bible teaches us to pray. I've even led, said the Lord prayer, Lord's Prayer a thousand times. Maybe that's part of the problem. Um, uh, he says, and do you know why? He says, because your hands are covered with the blood of innocent victims. In other words, the way you're living, the way you're treating people, the second great commandment is wrong. You're taking advantage from them. You're overcharging them. In some places, you're taking their life. I think abortion would fall under this today. But you're living in such a way that your lifestyle doesn't line up with your clapping and lifting your hands. And this is the root of it. Here's what he says, verse 16. He didn't say, give up your sacrificial system, give up your offerings. He said, no, give up your evil ways. Do good, seek justice, help the oppressed, defend orphans, fight for the rights of widows, help the down and out, stand up for the homeless, uh, go to bat for the defenseless. What's he saying in all of this? He's saying true religion, the book of James, is caring for orphans and widows in their time of need. Uh, the second great commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. But the heart of what they missed in this passage, the heart of it is well, they missed the great commandment in all the Bible. My Bibles are study Bibles. It's probably got 18, 1900 pages in it. If someone were to come to you and say, I can tell you one verse that sums up the whole Bible, or two verses, that if you will live by those verses, uh, everything else in the Bible will fall in place. Wouldn't that be easy? Because sometimes I read through, I even read through the writings of Paul and I just think, I can't do all that. I, I can't remember all that. There's too many laws and rules and commands and, and all that. Well, here was the whole heart of the message when Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment in all the law of Moses? I bet you know it. He said, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. That's the heart of true religion, and that's where worship starts. That's why the dentist went to the poor village in Mexico to pull teeth. 
Uh, that's why the person uh, didn't go to Best Buy and buy a gadget, but went to the grocery store to buy food for a neighbor that had lost their job. That's why she gets up in the middle of the night when she can't sleep, and she's never slept good since she had chemo, but she didn't just get up and watch TV. She prays. Why? Because you love God. And this is powerful. Don't ever think that religious routines get you to heaven. Don't ever think that just religious routines makes God smile at you. How many know God doesn't need our time, our money, and for us to show up? How many know God needs our heart, and he is worthy of our praise? Come on, just give him a little more praise today. Let me give you one last one. Uh, it's from the book of Job. Worship is our response to God when life is overwhelming. Let me say it again. Worship is our response to God when life is overwhelming. Uh, you know the story of Job. First couple of chapters, uh, Job is this wealthy, successful, prosperous man. But in just a couple of verses, the devil comes, as we understand Job now. He didn't then. The devil come and came and, and he stole his whole business. Job went from being a wealthy man to a bankrupt man. And then the worst thing that happened, Job, uh, 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 the devil came and he killed his kids. You read the Bible. Satan sent a windstorm. The house collapsed on his kids and killed them all. So imagine how you would feel if a police officer walked in and tapped you on the shoulder and says, I need to talk to you. And they, maybe they knew you. They knew you'd be at church and they found you. And they said, uh, they said whatever they call you, John, Sue, Tim, Say, look, I'm sorry, but your house just burned down. And you realize your spouse stayed home, she was sick, and I'm so, so sorry, but your wife has died. Your car was under the shed. It burned up too, and it didn't have insurance. And you went from a guy who had a loving family, a beautiful home to live in. Your little dog was killed. He was in the mudroom. And, and just like that, you lost all. Well, that's what Job felt. But listen to what, what happened next. Uh, Job said this. <clears throat> when he heard this, he tore his robe, a sign of remorse. He shaved his head. Now, why did he do that? He says here to show how sad he was. Uh, today, you shave your head because you can't grow hair or you have a cool-looking scalp, and that's, that's cool today, okay? You know, Pastor Mike, he's on vacation this week. But he's got a, you know, he, he was losing a little hair. I can say that. He's not here. And he pulled his ponytail so far back that, that it, it pulled his hair out. So, <laughs> so he just cut it all off because his, his scalp, his, his, his head, the head looks good being bald. Mine doesn't. I've got this pointy place in the middle. I think they pulled me out with the, whatever the forceps, you know, many years ago, and I'm cutting out a little pointy other. So I'm not cool, but I'm making a joke now. But in, in, in their day, when you shaved your head, it was an outward sign that means I've lost everything. I've lost my prosperity. I've lost my glory. I've lost my success. I have nothing. But notice what he did then. Job, uh, uh, it said, he bowed to the ground and worshiped God. Now, he wasn't thankful. He wasn't happy. But he still worshiped God. He said, I was naked when I was born. I'll be naked when I die. The Lord gave these things, and he's taken them away. Job didn't understand the devil did it, but God in his sovereignty allowed it. 
And then he said, praise the name of the Lord. Now, this is the crux here. Job responded to adversity with adoration. He, he responded to woe is me with worship. It, it, it was like bitterness. He, he refused bitterness. He refused to blame God. That's what true worshipers do. True worshipers say God is good, not just when life is good, but God is good. And we worship for not just what he's done, not just what he's going to do, but for who he is. And we join with the angels of heaven and say, worthy, worthy, worthy is the Lamb of God. Come on, give him a hand today. He is worthy. I'll close with this, and then we're going to have a couple worship songs to re-engage. Uh, John, in John's gospel, Jesus said, the hour is coming, it's now here, when true worshipers... Think it's possible to be a false worshiper? Sure. True worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Now, that, that's kind of uh, a hard language to understand, understand. Part of this spirit means heart, our innermost being. True worshipers worship God from their heart. It's, it's more than form. It's done in truth. It's done in ways that are pleasing to God. You know, uh, we don't, we, we, in our religion, in the Christian religion, we don't sacrifice babies to the god Molech. Did you know there were people in the Old Testament that were pagans and worshiped God, and they, and they would put their God, they'd heat up this idol, and they would put that baby in that, in that heated idol as an act of worship? That's not true worship. Come on now. But we as Christians worship the true God, and we worship him in truth. Uh, one translation says, it's who you are and the way you live that count before God. Let's remember what we learned today. What is worship? Worship first, uh, worship first was how we express our love to God with clapping, with singing, with joy, with kneeling before God. But worship, the second thing, is more than singing. Worship is how we live our life. We'll worship at work tomorrow. We'll worship by the way we treat people. Our worship is our service to God. The third thing we learn simply about worship is declaring that God is worthy. Apart from anything he's done, it's just looking to heaven and saying, Lord, you alone are God. You are worthy of my praise. We heard the warning today. Don't just worship with rituals and routines. Don't just think going to church is enough. Don't just think that, that doing something for God or giving God some money is enough. It's the heart that matters what we do. And then our heart fills the routines. It's the energy behind the laws, and God is pleased. And lastly, we worship God when life is overwhelming and we don't know what to do. We just sit back and throw up our hands and say, You're my Father. I trust you. Come on, give him a big hand today. Come on, give him a big hand. He is worthy, worthy, worthy of all our praise. Hey, why don't you stand to your feet? We're going to, Lord willing, continue this next week. But my hope is that you and I will become devoted worshipers of the one true God, the one that's worthy of praise. I'm glad you made it. I thought I was going to have to sing. Doesn't our worship team do a great job? We love you. And here's what we're going to do. They're going to turn the lights down just a little bit. And I want you to just have a private moment with God. 
If it were me, I would close my eyes when I have a private moment. And I'll tell you why. Because I get distracted by people. I see things. I just want to just, I'm not looking for anything mystical, but I, I, I just want to shut out the distractions. Close your eyes. You may want to lift your hands in worship. You may want to kneel before God. But we're going to come in this attitude of, of bowing down, of worshiping, expressing our awe and adoration to our God. again and, and before we do if you're able to I'd like to invite you just to, to bow for just a moment and uh, just as, a, as an act of surrender before the Lord and let's let's sing this again every voice every heart let's just seek him for a moment amen out. I want to sit at your feet. Cause I want to sit at your feet. Drink from the cup in your head. Lay back against you and breathe. Feel your heartbeat. This love is so deep. It's more than I can stand. I'm melting your peace and so overwhelm me Cause I wanna sit at your feet Drink from the cup in your hands Lay back against you and breathe Feel your heartbeat This love is so deep It's more ask you today to create in us a pure heart, the heart of a genuine worshiper. Forgive us if we've been people of form. Forgive us if we've used excuses not to express our praise. But I just pray today marks a brand new day. 
that I'm going to express my praise as the Bible teaches me. But I'm also going to live my life as God calls me to. I'm not going to be satisfied with form any longer. I'm not going to be satisfied with empty rituals and routines. I want to ask you to cultivate in me a heart that longs to worship. A heart of awe, a heart of reverence, and a heart of thanksgiving. And Lord, if I'm in a, an overwhelming place that's out of control, help me rise above it with my praise. Because you are good. You are good to Job. You'll be good to us. Because you're worthy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, just begin to say it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Great is our God. I want you to just spontaneously just lift up your praise. Greater you, O Lord. Worthy are you, O Lord. Worthy, worthy, worthy is the Lord my God. Come on, just lift up prayer, just your own words. Lord, there's none like you in all the earth. You're the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. You're the one that loves me when no one else cares. I praise you today, God. I worship you. Mighty, mighty, mighty God. I bless your name today. I bless your name. And I worship you. Hallelujah. Why don't you stand to your feet? Pastor Travis is going to close us in just a sec. Sure glad you came today. Well, Lord willing, we'll continue this next week. But I want to make a ask specifically, I want to address a group of people that are here today that may be like I was when I was 19. I knew about God. I'd went to church, but I was not a follower of Christ. It's like, I'm grateful I went to church. Now, don't get me wrong, because I learned about God. And that cross represents Jesus. And I can remember as a boy how there were times, like if I was trouble, let's say I'm batting, and I'm playing baseball, and, and my team's behind and I'm batting, I'd say, help me, Lord. Or if I was about to get in trouble or there's a problem, help me, Lord. But as soon as I got on base or whatever, I'm back living John's way. But when I was 19, something incredible happened to me. I became a Christian. I was born again. I was saved. Say, so what happened, Pastor? Well, I reached a place in my life where I realized that the life I was living was not pleasing to God, but it was also not pleasing to me. I tried to find happiness in alcohol and marijuana and, 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 and sports and education, all those things. But it just, it just, something was missing. And a man told me one time what was missing in my life was a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, mind you, I went to church, but I never heard about a personal walk with God. And he told me something I'll never forget. He said, if you will ask God to forgive you, and if you will turn around and begin to follow Jesus Christ, he'll change your life. And I prayed a prayer on August 15th, 1976, and I committed my life to Jesus, and I've lived the best life I could have because of that. And maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor, I feel like you're talking to me. I need to commit my life to God. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to, to, to do something very bold. 
that if you want us to pray for you as you make this great step, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand. Just wave it at me. Let me know you're here so we can pray for you and give you something that's going to help you live the Christian life. Because I'm telling you, you go back out in the world, and the world is just as it was. But there can be like miracle moments in life where people have a chance to get right with God, and He comes in our life and changes everything. Well, if that's you, if you're here today and say, Pastor, I'm ready to start a relationship with God, and I want you all to pray for me, would you just lift your hand, wave it at me anywhere in the building? Just wave your hand at me so I can see you here when I'm looking at you. Anyone this morning, say, pray for me. I can't see very good. Wave your hand at me, and I'll, I'll pray for you today. We'll pray that God would change your life. All right, well, listen, I don't want to make you nervous. After church is over, if you want to come up to this cross, somebody will still be lingering up here. But it takes a step of asking for God's forgiveness and committing to follow Him. That's what it's all about. Listen, we had a great day in God's house today. I love you. Thank you so much for coming. And Lord willing, we'll continue this this week. Amen. Listen, our prayer team's coming up right now. If you need personal prayer for anything, we want to pray with you and believe God to move in your life. And uh, listen, this whole service was about worship. When we leave this place, we have the opportunity to worship God with the way we live, with the way we treat people, with the way we uh, go to work tomorrow and we do it unto the Lord. So let's live a lifestyle of worship. As you leave the place, remember if you're a guest, drop your guest card in the connect room. If you'd like to give your tithes or your offerings, you can drop that off on the way as well. And also, if you'd like to sign up to help next Saturday with our boombox blast, make sure you do that. And uh, just to follow up with Pastor John said, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. If you need to repent of your sins and believe in the Lord Jesus, I'll be right there at the cross. I would love to pray with you. Our prayer team's here. Let's lift our hands for one more moment and worship God before we leave.